Hi, everyone. This is Dean Crisp, and I'm so excited this week to be talking to you about lessons that I've learned in the classroom over the past couple of weeks. I've had an opportunity to spend several weeks in the classroom with the Master Presenter course, and in it, people share stories, they share leadership tips, and they just share themselves some things that they've learned in their life. So I'm going to pass those along to you. I want to thank those students for having the courage to step up and share those stories. But I think this week's going to be really special because they're true life stories that they really helped change me. So as we always say at Straight Talk on Leadership, turn up the volume, get ready to change your life. Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple, help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So set back, turn up the volume, be ready to change your life. Hi, everyone. This is Dean Crisp, and welcome back to Straight Talk on Leadership this week is going to be a pretty special show. I'm going to spend the whole podcast talking about stories and life lessons that I have learned in the past couple of weeks in the classroom. I had a unique opportunity to do the Master Presenter course with Tim Plotz, who is a great instructor and who I consider to be one of the best instructors across this great country. And many of you out there might have had Tim in your classroom. And if you have, boy, you certainly had a special treat with him. As I said, the Master Presenter course is one of our featured courses that we do at LHLN, Leaders Helping Leaders Network. It's part of our attempt to give lessons back of what we learned in the classroom and all those years that I've spent teaching around this great country and all those years I've spent with students and trying to do the very best in the classroom. It's kind of the lessons I've learned. And Tim Plotz and I, as I said earlier, we we teach this class and it's a week-long class. What I'd like for you to do is to Look at LHLN.org and you can see where that's offered. Uh, We're doing it, uh, uh, hopefully doing it every month somewhere. And so maybe you can uh, get a chance to join us in one of those classes. You know, being a master presenter doesn't mean that you become all of a sudden a person who is a master at every presentation that you might take. No, that's not what we mean at all. By being a master presenter, what we're really talking about is the fact that you're able to get your ideas across and that you're able to present yourself in such a way where people take a look at the things you have to say. Now, all of you know that it's not the words that we use a lot of times, but it's our body language, it's our inflection, it's our voice command, it's the way we present ourselves. And a lot of us are really, really nervous when it comes to uh, speaking in public. And I'm one of those people who was extremely nervous when I started talking in public. Matter of fact, I was so scared when I first started talking in public, when I became a very young police officer, man, I almost had to take medicine for it. I would feel my heart just beating out of my chest. I would sweat. I was just not confident at all. And, you know, I just took many years of practice and preparation and preparing myself and really forcing myself to get better. But is that it really doesn't take all those years to get good at presenting and being a master presenter. If you take a chance and just look at our course online, the master presenter, I think it'll be a course that could really change your life. From the evaluations that we had and the people we talked to, it was a life-changing experience. Well, it certainly was for me. And it was for me, not just from the fact of 
working with students and watching them grow over the week and watching them from just being very, uh, I would guess, what, what would the word I would use, reluctant to get up in front of 25 of their peers and make presentations on a varied number of subjects, but to really get their ideas across and get their points across and see them from the first day to the last day, not wanting this class to end and their confidence and their ability just grow by leaps and bounds over that week was just amazing. But during that course, what I want to spend this podcast on are some life lessons that I learned and some things that I learned in teaching that class or presenting that course. And one of the things that I constantly try to do with myself is to continually grow as a leader. No matter what circumstance, no matter that I'm not actually out there leading right now, but I have a company that I'm leading. But I don't get a chance like many of you to practice my leadership every single day with numbers of people and people in front of me. But that doesn't mean that I still don't grow. I grow every single day and I talk to people all over this country uh, on a daily basis about issues they're facing. Uh, to just today, I was on the phone with a number of people. I was on the phone with a person regarding a promotional opportunity, and I was on the phone with an individual that was in a discipline issue, just talking it through and, and helping them kind of sort some of those details out. And I'm constantly pushing myself to be the absolute best that I can be. And during this week, I was uh, struck by everybody's stories. And Tim and I had many conversations at night after the class. And we would talk about, and we've talked since the course, about things that really impacted us that made a real difference. So what I'm going to do is share some stories from from the classroom, from some of the folks that they told, because they made a big, big difference in, in what I'm trying to, or what we're trying to accomplish. When we talk about some of these stories, let, let's talk about it. I'm not going to use the, the, the entire name because I don't want, I really haven't talked to these folks about their stories, but They'll know who they are, and but I'm going to tell you about the stories, how they impacted my life. We had a student in the class, his name was Matt, and uh, one thing about him, he, he used baseball metaphorically and a lot of things he did, and, and he did that because that was his comfort zone. That was, he was a coach, and he was talking to kids and, you know, doing those things like that, he, or, or as a coach, you're going to talk to kids and try to give them confidence and things like that, and so he was used to talking uh, to uh, the people or the young folks that he was coaching. And he told a story that was very, very impactful that uh, I want to share with you. Matt was talking about a story when he was in high school that he was on the baseball team and he was a pretty good high school baseball player. As he described it, he was a starter and he played uh, a lot since uh, his junior year. And I believe this was during his senior year when he was facing an, an individual who was eventually to get drafted into the pros. And so during their high school years, this one pitcher could really, really throw the baseball. He was clocked at about 93 to 95 miles an hour. And if you've never hit a baseball or ever faced a 93 to 95 mile, fast, uh, mile an hour fastball, trust me, it gets by you really quick and it comes across the plate really hard and a lot of times very heavy. And it's by you before you can even blink sometimes at 95 mile an hour fastball. Matter of fact, that's, uh, nowadays that's kind of an average fastball in the major leagues because guys are clocking out 9,800 and all that stuff. But let me tell you, 93 to 95 is pretty impressive. So Matt was talking about when he faced this guy the first time. Now, you know, when they play, he was in his conference. So he knew that he was going to face him again. So when he faced him as a pitcher the first time, he talks about going down one, two, three, three pitches, three fastballs right down the middle. 
didn't have a chance, was just overwhelmed or outmatched, if you will. And he said it struck him of how outmatched he was, and he just felt foolish at the plate facing this 95-mile-an-hour fastball. So he decides, he goes home after the game, and he starts talking to his dad about, you know, not really meeting standards and not really performing like he would like to. And so he and his dad decided that they were going to do this soft toss game where I don't know if you've, if you've never played baseball, what soft toss is, is imagine a guy standing at the plate getting ready to bat. Well, soft toss, you can throw it up in the air right in front of the, the hitter, and then the hitter strikes it and hits it into a net, or they hit it into a batting cage. Or if you're doing it in an open field, they hit it out in the field. And that's right in front of them. And then you can move a few feet in front of them and then get a cage in front of you so that they can't hit you. And then you throw the ball really quickly by them to kind of make it feel like it's faster than it normally would be. So it, it simulates like the closer you get, the faster you throw it underhanded. It simulates like a, a 95 mile an hour fastball. So Matt told the story about uh, his dad and him getting out there and starting to soft toss and they measured back so many feet and then they threw the ball really fast. And so Matt started getting his reaction down. And so when he would hit this fastball that was, you know, simulated at 95 miles, they felt very, very confident. So he knew that he'd be facing the guy in a couple of weeks. So now he comes up to bat and they're playing again and this guy's pitching against him again. So Matt gets up to the plate and the very first pitch he throws he hits a ball against the wall for a stand-up double. I mean, he rips it into the outfield. Ball gets over everybody's head. He just smashes this ball, ends up with a double, and he feels really good about himself. But interestingly, he said when he got to second base, it wasn't that he hit his fastball. The guy actually threw him a curveball. And when he told that story, it just resonated with me how many of us and you and me are prepared for the fastballs that are coming in our life, but we're not prepared for the curveballs? And think about this for a minute. When you're preparing for that fastball, when you're preparing for that challenge in your life, when you're preparing for that thing that you're up against, that you're, you know you're confident, but you know somebody's going to throw you a curveball. So the moral to that story is life's going to throw us a bunch of curveballs. But in our preparation for fastballs, let's not forget that we might just see a curveball. So let's make ourselves really ready when that curveball comes. An amazing story about being ready and preparing yourself and not failing. And when you do fail, man, you get back up. I, I love it because uh, my son, uh, Adam, uh, particularly we've been talking about an issue with him just in the fact of challenges in life. And he has uh, two sets of twin uh, girls, my grandbabies. And he's got a lot of challenges with that, but he's got also, you know, just, he wants to do other things with his life and his career. And just, just listening to him, man, I, I talked to him. One thing I say to Adam is, man, if you fall down seven, get up eight. If life throws you a curveball, be ready to hit it. Be ready for the fastball, but be ready to hit that curveball. And I thought that was such a great story with Matt uh, passing that along. It made a whole lot of difference to me. And I took notes about it and I thought, Man, I'm going to get a chance to share that with you. So hope you enjoyed that story. Now, the second story was from a guy named Joe in the class. And Joe was a very impressive individual. He was a very large individual, had a great presence about him. And he, you could just tell that there was a lot of quality and depth to Joe. 
there was a lot of quality and depth in everybody we talked to that was in the classroom. But Joe was just one of these guys that has a presence. You know, he's a big guy. And when Joe speaks, he has this thundering voice. And if he really makes it forceful, you know, you man, you, everybody in the room just pays attention. Well, Joe was talking about early in his life about what's influenced him. And one of the things that I asked them in that leadership course or the master presenter course is what makes me me? Like if you had to look inside yourself, what makes you, you? And I ask you that question. If you had to really talk about a few things that make you, you, what would that be? And so during Joe's presentation, Joe was talking about the influence his dad had on him. And he said that his dad was always pushing him like many of the dads and like I pushed my sons and tried to make the best out of them. You know, us as parents, we see the world from the bigger uh, perspective sometimes, the bigger picture. And we think, man, we know better. And so as a result, sometimes we just push our kids. And Joe was talking about his dad pushing him, you know, and his dad encouraging him at the same time. And Joe was doing this karate thing. Joe was uh, a competitive karate uh, in kata, which is uh, not the actual fighting of the karate, but it's in the form of karate. And so his dad was taking him around the country when he was young and taking him to all these performances where Joe would actually perform these katas or these karate steps and and as they're in pairs, like a much like a dance choreography. And Joe was really good at it, but he said one thing that his dad would do is his dad would get him ready and his dad would make sure that everything was ready. And he said that, that his dad would spend money and spend time and all this effort. And he said one thing his dad told him as he was getting ready to perform, he would say, son, don't lay down on my money. And when I heard that story, I thought, wow, you know, a lot of us lay down on somebody else's money. If it's not the money we're spending, and if it's not our money, sometimes we don't give are all. Now, I'm not talking about money. If you think I'm talking about money, I'm not talking about that. Yes, I am in a little bit of a way, but I really mean when somebody believes in you and somebody puts forth the effort in you to make you the best they can possibly be, are you laying down on their money? Your job, I want you to take a hard look at yourself and I want you to look at your employee. And I want you to ask yourself, am I laying down on their money? And I think that's a very important thing that all of us can take a really hard look at ourselves and say, are we laying down on the people's money who's putting an investment in us? Are we giving it our all? You know, sometimes it ain't about what people put into it, but it's also about believing in yourself. And are we laying down on their money? Give your best for your employer. Give your best for people that believe in you and absolutely put an effort towards you. Give them your best. They deserve it. Don't lay down on that money. I thought that was a great story and it just resonated with me. And it makes me question myself when I'm teaching for another organization or I'm out there teaching with those students and trying to give my best, man, am I laying down on their money? And I don't ever want to lay down on anybody's money. Now, there was another story that struck me particularly not so much for what the content of the story was, but the passion in which the person presented the story. Now, the story was just a regular story about a work experience. And this particular person named Stephen or Steve is on the SWAT team. As a matter of fact, he leads a SWAT team. 
And you could just tell every story he presented, he was completely passionate about the people that he was talking about, which was the folks that worked with him and for him. Now, he's a sergeant. And it struck me that his passion came across for people as a great deal of empathy or care for his employees. And what struck me about that was there was a number of people in the class that talked about this individual who was in the classroom having an impact on their life, of being a stand-up guy, of being somebody who cared about other people, about being somebody who was always committed and always went the extra mile. And it dawned on me that this guy had a rank of sergeant, but he had a much higher rank in the informal army. Matter of fact, in the informal army, army, he was actually a general. And what made him a general? What made him a general in the informal army? And it reminded me of a story or a, a, a lesson that I read on leadership from Daniel Goleman in his book called Primal Leadership. And in Daniel Goleman's book on primal leadership, Daniel Goleman talks about the true intersection of leadership occurs when the head and the heart intersect, where individuals that you're leading, that they follow you with their head, but they also follow you with their heart. And I never have seen a more clear example than this leader because he captured the hearts of his individuals to get them to believe in what they were doing by showing them through his passion for them and the organization. He was their best cheerleader. He was a cheerleader for the organization. He was a cheerleader for what he was trying to do. And he just came across so passionate. An amazing example of head-heart combination in leadership. And I thought when I was watching him and taking notes, I thought that's a great example of the head-heart combination. You know, being a master presenter takes looking at your students and looking at the people, but being a master leader, a person who leads other people, takes a combination of the heart and the head and joining those together, intersecting them to get the people who work for them or work with the organization to not only believe in what they're doing, believe in themselves, but believe in the leader. It was an amazing, amazing thing to watch in the classroom. Now, as we talked about this week in terms of being a master presenter, it takes something really special and it takes just like leadership. I want to share this story that I kind of I've been thinking about this for several months now. As a matter of fact, I'm writing my next book on this subject, but it talks about having the right leadership recipe. And, and it dawned on me that when I watched Steve and I watched the people talk about Steve, that he combined the right recipe. And if you want to be able to lead, you've got to get the right recipe. And one of the right ingredients is the head-heart combination. Just an amazing story. And it was so good to see that in the classroom and to see, you know, how do you put all that together? Just, just an amazing story. So I want to share with you the last story. Uh, but this isn't, uh, this is by far the last story in the classroom. 
But this is the last story for this podcast because I want to save some more stories for another podcast because I believe, really believe this resonates with you and is touching your heart and your head at the same time. There was a, a leader there. Matter of fact, he was a chief in the organization. It's a very large organization, about 600 people. And he was telling a story about an eagle and a chicken. And I had heard something similar, but not really like this. But it really just clicked with me, if you will. It just clicked with me on this story that he told. He said, you know, once upon a time, there was a eagle's nest and a chicken nest. And they were very close proximity to each other. And somehow the eagle's nest and the chicken's nest got one of the eggs out of the eagle's nest, got into the chicken coop and got out of the eagle's nest. So the eagle was actually raised as a chicken. So here you have this magnificent creature that has this enormous wingspan, that has the ability to soar high as mountains, has the ability, endless potential, and has the ability to do most anything. But he was put in a chicken coop and he was raised with chickens. So like you know, and like you can imagine the story would go, what's he start acting like? Doesn't act like an eagle, starts acting like a chicken. Well, why does he start acting like a chicken? Because he was convinced, because he was being raised by chickens, that he was a chicken. So his whole life, he ate chicken feed. His whole life, he went scratching around the earth and spent his whole adult life just acting like a chicken. When the other chickens would go run and jump in the coop, he'd go jump in the coop. Wasn't interested in taking flight. Nobody ever showed him how to fly. Although he had all the tools. He had everything that you would ever imagine to soar because he was an eagle. He could fly. He could rule the skies. He could do all types of acrobatic stuff in his flight. Never did any of that because his whole life he was raised as a chicken. And as you can imagine, he thought he saw something in himself. He said, you know, I'm a little different than them. And I kind of see things a little bit differently, but they keep telling me I'm a chicken. And he said, you know, my whole life I've spent in my, in this chicken coop. And I just think that's where I'm living. I'm just a chicken. So as you can imagine, he spent his entire life as a chicken, never reaching any of his potential, never doing anything except clucking around the, not, the, the neighborhood he lived in and the chicken coop, acting like a chicken walking like a chicken, talking like a chicken, just being a chicken. And so one day he was just near the end of his life and he was able to jump up on this fence post. And he jumped up on this fence post and he looked up in the sky and he saw this magnificent creature soaring the skies. And he looked up and realized it looked just like him. And he said, wow. That's an eagle. If only I had what it took to be an eagle. If only I had the characteristics, the mind, and all those things to be an eagle. What if I could just be an eagle for a day? Well, imagine this. 
The moral to the story is he was an eagle. But the moral to the story is that he believed other people's story about who he was. He believed other people's description, the food, the way they treated him, the way they looked at him. Bottom line is, he believed the narrative that other people had for his life. You know, when I talk to people about leadership, I often talk about one of the worst mistakes that anyone will make in life is believing the narrative that other people will have for you. If you believe the narrative that other people will have for you, then you'll always stay a chicken. You won't ever soar like an eagle. You won't ever seek your skills, your special skills, who you are. The world will never see your talents. All they will ever see is what you think of yourself. Don't buy in to other people's narratives for your life. If you've got potential, if you've got those special skill sets, look in the mirror and believe in yourself. That's where it starts. Taking the risk, doing the things that you know you can do, not believing other people's narrative of who you are is the key to that story. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed these special stories I've shared with you. Man, they really changed me last week. They gave me a different perspective. They allowed me to take an introspective look to myself and to say, you know what? I'm going to keep trying to be an eagle. I'm not going to believe what people think about me. I'm not going to buy into the narrative what other people limit me in. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to be a chicken. I'm going to be an eagle. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast, folks. It's been a pleasure to do it with you. I'm going to share again some other stories I've got from the classroom. These lessons are just things that I get that just change me right on the spot. I want to thank those special students, all of you who've shared with me your stories and have shared your life with me and given me the trust to help you become the best version of yourself. Folks, let's all go out there this week and let's be the best and do the best that we can to be an eagle. Folks, until next time, as we always say on Straight Talk for Leadership, it's been a pleasure. You know, keep sharing the growth and look to the skies. You're an eagle, not a chicken. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We have officially rolled out the Leaders Helping Leaders Network online e-learning accelerator class. Be sure to sign up for the early bird special price of $397. Be one of the first 100 students to register, and you will also get three bonuses with the early bird deal. You can sign up for this course at www.e.lhln.org. Again, that's www.e.lhln.org. Sign up, grab your laptop, and get ready to change your life.